want to share for a few minutes uh, from the idea of faith for more. That'll be the title, an optional title. Again, it's freestyle. You can call it what you want, but faith for more. In fact, go ahead and punch your neighbor and tell them I got faith for more. Go ahead and punch them. And then you punch them back and say, stop it. All right, here we go. Let me give you three action steps. If you want to have faith for more in your life, if, if we want to, to have faith individually, but also as a church, faith for more where God wants to take us, faith for more what he wants to do in and through this church, the first thing I want you to write down is to follow closely. We have to learn to follow closely, to follow Jesus closely, to walk with him closely. Luke chapter 7, verse 11, the Bible says this, soon afterward. Soon after what, Colby? Well, if you go back and read through the gospel of Luke, some, some amazing things happen, like in Luke chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Uh, Luke chapter 4 picks up uh, the ministry of Jesus. He had just gone into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy for 40 days. He comes back from that, starts doing these incredible miracles, like in chapter 5, heals a leper. That's in there. Uh, also a paralyzed man heals, heals a paralyzed man. Luke chapter 6, somebody asks him some questions on faith and what is it like to live this out? And Jesus launches into some of the most like groundbreaking kind of teaching where people are like, I've never heard this before. He's flipping things over on their, their heads. And then Luke chapter seven, uh, what we talked about last week, if you weren't here, you can go back and listen to it on the podcast. He heals a, a guy from a distance. This centurion comes up and says, heal my servant. Jesus says, let's go. And he says, no, if you speak a word, like I understand authority. And we we're talking about how authority matters in our life. You just speak that word. He'll be healed. And he was healed uh, that moment. And so when it says soon afterward, it means after all that. Just think about it. Like Jesus is, is gaining notoriety. People are starting to follow him. They're like, what is up with this guy? Could he be the Messiah? You know, this is amazing. So soon afterward means after some incredible miracles and some marvelous teaching that he had. Verse 11, soon after where Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain. Now Nain is just obscure. It's out in the sticks. It's interesting that, that they make a reference to it. It says this, and a large crowd followed him. As you can imagine, if someone is going throughout the, the country healing people, seeing amazing things happen, you know, could this be the, the Messiah, the, the prophet? You know, uh, a large crowd is starting to form. Let me ask you this. What do you think was the conversation happening in the crowd? What do you think the buzz was? Right. As Jesus would do these things, as they would follow him. Don't you think there was this sense of of expectancy? Like, what's he going to do next? Where are we going to go next? You know, who's he going to heal? Can he do this? Like, like, where are we going to go? I, I wonder what was happening in the hearts of those people in that crowd. I think there was a sense of anticipation this sense of, of, did you see what he did, you know, in this place? And, and is that possible? It, maybe there was some discussion about it. I don't even know what he's saying or, or if I can believe it, but, but it, it's different. I've never heard anything like this. I've never heard anything that was this life giving. Like, well, what do you think was, was happening? And maybe they were like, I just got to believe if I continue to follow that man right there, I'm going to see some things. Something great is going to happen if I will just stay with him, if I will 
closely follow, if I will walk with him. Maybe some people in the crowd are like, I don't even understand what he's saying, you know, but, but every time, you know, he does something, I'm just, I'm just in awe. I believe that we should have that same sense of anticipation. As we come into church, as we gather as a crowd, we should have that same sense of, of expectancy. Like we can't re- receive more than what we believe for, right? We should have that same. Like I think you should get speeding tickets coming to church on Sunday morning. Like I got to get there. Are you with me? Like I just can't wait to see what God's going to do. I can't wait to see how God's going to, to show up today. That was kind of the, the atmosphere in the crowd. Man, I just can't wait. Can't wait for worship night. And I can't wait for for church. I can't wait, you know, 977 people baptized in the life of this church. I can't wait to see like 4,700 something people giving their life to Jesus. Salvation's like, I can't wait to see. Are you with me? That should be our attitude. Can't wait to see what he's going to do. I'm going to walk with him. I might not understand everything that he's talking about, but there's something different about him. If I stay with him, if I follow closely. But if we're not walking with Jesus, check it out. There's another crowd. So there's two crowds and these crowds are on a collision course. They are converging crowds. In verse 12, it says this, a funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son and another large crowd, a large crowd followed the village, a large crowd from the village was with her. Check this out. I want you to see this one crowd following Jesus closely, anticipating, expecting, talking. What's he going to do? You know, I can't wait to see it. You know, they're pumped up. What, what could, what could he do today? But there's another large crowd following in this, this same text, following this woman, this widow, there's a funeral going on. So while there is anticipation in one crowd, hopeful expectancy in one crowd. In the other crowd, there's frustration. Are you with me? There's sadness. There's despair. There's hopelessness. And so we have two different crowds, a crowd of anticipation and a crowd of of frustration. And the frustration in this crowd could be, well, I asked God to heal my son, my only son. You know, he took my, my husband because she was a widow. That's what the text says. And I asked him to heal my son. He didn't do it. He didn't show up. Where was he? Why, why couldn't he? What, what could the frustration be? Why did you have to take him so soon in his life? Uh, what were the frustrations in that crowd? And in that crowd, here's what I know. The people had their heads down. So one crowd is, is walking this way. What's he going to do? What's he going to do with their head up? full of expectancy. The other crowd, their heads down and just kind of slowly walking, maybe questioning the goodness of God. I did a funeral this weekend for, or this week for a great friend just on Thursday, served at this church. Great, great man of God, young man of God, huge impact in our city. One of the biggest funerals I've ever done. Hundreds of people couldn't find a chair in the building, lasted two hours as people gave their, 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 their memories and their stories and shared about the impact he'd made in their life. 30 years old, young guy in a, in a car accident. And people went to the, 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 the graveside and just getting out of their cars, heads down, heads down, hopeless, like sadness, despair in that moment. 
So look at this contrast. There's a procession of life with a head up, anticipating what could happen. And then there's this procession of, of death. And it says they're walking towards each other, if you could picture this. And when I think about this church, and when I think about what God has called us to do and who God has called us to be as followers of Jesus, I believe we are called to be on a collision course with people who have no hope. We're called to be on a crash course with people who are in that season of frustration and doubts and despair and why and, and where is God? And we're doing our, our best to, to move with God, to follow him with the, the crowd, a crowd of people towards a crowd of people with their heads down and frustrated. And maybe that's you today. And it could be you're frustrated for a number of different things. You ask God the same thing. Why didn't you show up? Or why didn't you do this? Or, or where were you, you know, when, or, or you could have, if you're all powerful, but maybe you're not. And there's this frustration, but here's what I know. If the crowd that was in frustration with their heads down would have simply just lifted their head and saw who was coming towards them and recognized Jesus for who he was. Like if we can just lift up our, our heads and see Jesus, I think our job is to help move people from one crowd to the next, to help lead people to the crowd of anticipation because what our world needs, how many of you know, we desperately need Jesus. And there's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of, of doubt. This is the, the season that we are in today. But if you just hold your head up, this might be for you personally. If you would just hold your head up, if you would just look up and try to follow Jesus more closely, I promise you, you'll rise above all the doubt and all the frustration, all the questions. If you hold your head up, ask him for wisdom in this season. Just look who's coming towards you. Look who's coming towards you. Listen, if, if Jesus would go to an obscure village called Nain, that's like going out to Platea, like whatever that is. I don't even know. Gerard. Sorry. Sorry, Gerard. Hey, if he's willing to go there, don't you think he's willing to meet you where you are? Don't you think he's willing to come in your frustrations, in your need? He knows where you're hurting, knows where you're broken. But if we are, if we're going to, going to be the, the crowd that, that brings hope, we've got to be willing to follow closely, to follow closely after Jesus. Here's the second thing we've got to be willing to do. Write it down. Listen intently to his voice. The Bible says that we are to listen as the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Let him guide you, direct your paths. Let him tell you which way to go to the left or to the right. We should always have a sensitive ear to God's voice. Verse 13 says this, when the Lord saw her, his heart was overflowed with compassion. Hey man, in this crowd, when you see people that are in that crowd, it should do something to you. It should break your heart. God, have our hearts break for what breaks your heart. When we see people who are hopeless, who are filled with frustration or fear or doubt, it should do something to you. It says his heart was overflowed with compassion. Now look what he says though. Don't cry. Now, the first time I read that, uh, if I'm going to be honest with you, I'm thinking, well, that sounds insensitive. Here's a woman who lost her husband, who has now lost her, her son. It says her only son, right? And, and he tells her, don't cry. 
Now, how many of you know if you if you are uh, around Christ followers long enough, sometimes we say stupid things, right? Like I know I said awkward things even at a funeral this week. Like you know, I, I don't know. You know, it's just we just say dumb dumb things. This woman lost her son, right? And, and Jesus says, "Don't cry." And now from an outsider's perspective, you know, this seems ridiculous. If you lost a friend or if you lost someone and you're in mourning and someone comes up to you and says, don't cry. You're like, well, you know, I'm, uh, I'm about to make you cry. That's what you're thinking in your mind. But Jesus tells her, don't cry. Don't miss this. He was essentially saying to this woman, I know you don't recognize it yet, but I am bigger than what you're facing. I know you can't see it. I know you don't, aren't aware of it, but I am greater than what you are going through. And the reason some people can't get into the, the anticipation and, and, and expectant kind of, of line is because they're focused on their problem rather than focused on who's standing right in front of them saying, hey, don't cry. I'm bigger than that. Hey, don't cry. I'm bigger. I'm bigger than, than the cancer diagnosis. No, it's hard to believe. It's hard to see. But we're talking about increasing our faith. Don't cry. I'm bigger than the debt that you're in up to your eyeballs. Don't cry, but I'm bigger than what it is that you are facing. And the only reason this woman would have, would have thought his words are ridiculous is because she didn't recognize him for who he is. And when we recognize him, see, we'll all think the words of Jesus like, I can do all things. That God is the God of, of the impossible, that nothing is impossible with God. We'll think the words are ridiculous when we don't understand who he is. I want to help us get a greater view of who God is and how powerful he is and how holy he is, how awesome he is. But when Jesus said, don't cry, see, here's, here, here's the difference. The crowd that was, was following him closely, when Jesus looked at this woman and said, don't cry, you know what they're thinking? Here it comes. What's he going to do? We're ready for it because they were expectant, right? And this other crowd Heard Jesus said, don't cry. They're thinking, you're a fool, right? Like, why, what are you talking about? How can we, how can we not cry? It says this uh, in verse 14. Then he walked over to the coffin and he touched it and everyone stopped. And the reason that they stopped, because this was a big deal, this freaked them out. Jesus was a rabbi, right? He was a teacher. He, 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 that's what he was. And in this time period, you didn't touch anything dead, especially rabbis, or touch anything that had touched something that was dead. And so if you did, you know, this would disqualify you for, for worshiping. This would disqualify you for, you know, participating in the feasts. In fact, I'll just say this. I know there are some people out there, you feel disqualified by your past. You feel disqualified that God won't touch you, that God won't, you know, show up in your life because of what you've done or the mistakes that you make. Can I tell you something? God does not care about who you are. He cares about who you're becoming. He doesn't care so much about your past, but he cares about where he's taking you. There's not a single person in this room or watching online that God is unwilling to reach out and touch. You should just know that no matter what you've done, no matter what you are doing, like he is willing to touch you. He says he walked over to the coffin and touched it and the bears stopped. Check this out. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Two crowds, the crowds following Jesus, full of anticipation, 
wait, 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 what did he just say? Did he just say what I think he just said? They haven't seen this before. Did they just, did he just tell them to, to get up? They're thinking, do you think it's possible? Do you think it can happen? And then this crowd over here going, this guy's lost his mind, right? But there's the two crowds and Jesus spoke to the dead person, commanded him to do something that was seemingly impossible. And a lot of times we think it is impossible based on what we believe is possible based on our reality. Here's, here's what we need. We need a, a revival according to God's reality, not according to our reality. Are you with me? I I talked about this a little last night as we head into this new season and in this new uh, series, you know, hello freedom and all that God has for us. Like our world needs a revival. But we don't just need a revival according to our reality, because a lot of us get our reality from our feeds on social media. We get our reality from the news, right? We get our reality from here's history. Here are the odds. Here are the stats. You know, here's how things are going to play out. Can I tell you something? That is not God's reality. God's reality is not based in our odds. It's not based in our stats, right? God doesn't just roll with history. He's just not rolling onto the next thing. He's the God of the new thing and he wants to do something new. So even if it doesn't seem possible, are you with me? He says, get up, get up. So everybody's watching this. And the dead boy sat up. Which, come on, that would freak you out. Right? Like if I'm doing a funeral and the guy in the coffin gets up, that funeral's over. I'm getting saved all over again, right? In that moment. He says, get up. The dead boy sat up and look at it. He began to talk. And I want to know what he said. Like, what is this? What is this? When a guy sits up from de- being dead, like, what does he? What does he say? I, I think he's probably said, "Man, the the last thing I can remember, you know, was telling my buddies, hey guys, watch this.' Maybe that's what he said. I don't know what he said, <laughs> but I want to know what he said. He said something, and then the Bible says Jesus gave him back to his mother. In verse sixteen. This is where I want to stop, and this is. It's kind of, I'll bring this to a close. It says they were, they were, who, who was filled with awe? Wait, wait, just this crowd? Just the, the anticipation crowd or, or this crowd? No, everyone, everyone. When the boy stood up, started to speak, he said they were all filled with awe, both crowds. See, I believe we can be a church that no matter where you are today, whether you're on this side or on this side, you can be filled with awe in the presence of God. Amen. You can be blown away by what God wants to do. And we can all be filled with awe. So our goal is to move people from this line, frustration and anticipation. The way we do that is by following closely, by drawing near to God by listening intently to what he has to say and by expecting, here was the last thing. I don't know if I gave it to you. Expect impossible. That's the last thing I want you to write down. Expect impossible. The people of God were, were filled with awe going, man, we've never seen anything like this before. And then the, the non-Christian people were filled with awe and we're going, if that's who he is, then 
I want to know him. If that's who he is, if that's what he's like, if that's what he can do, if he can set me free from the guilt and shame that I'm experiencing and living, if that's who he is, then I want to, to know him. They were all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. Here's just a, a sober question for you. Do you believe that Jesus can do the impossible? Like, do you really believe it? The Bible says they are filled with all they're blown away. My prayer is this, that we would be blown away, that we would be part of the, the crowd that would, would bring hope to the situation. That we'd be part of the crowd that, that holds our, our head up with expectancy and anticipation of what God's going, going to do. And that people that are on this side, and that's okay. Maybe this is you here today. You're on the frustrated and, and God, where are you? And, and God, why didn't you side? That's okay. But that you would feel comfortable knowing that God is willing to reach out to you and touch you and meet you right where you are. And that we would just be blown away by what he wants to do that we would expect more. Come on out, band, help me close this, close this down, that we would be able to have faith for more in the season ahead, that we would expect more that we would, um, my, I'll tell you this and then I'll be done. My, uh, my mom's family was from Alabama and she's probably watching online. She's in Texas right now. Hi mom. Hi mom. All right. Had to do that. But they're from Alabama and, and I mean like, like sticks, sticks, Alabama, Boaz, Alabama. Y'all thought Gerard was bad, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm hating on Gerard today. I love Gerard. Go. What are they? That thing. Go that thing. Um, sorry. But I would go to Boaz with my family during the summers and uh, we'd hang out there and my, my grandparents would make all kinds of good food. And when I mean sticks, I mean really back home sticks, Alabama, but man, they made the best food. We'd all sit around the table and we'd eat, you know, and we, and we were full, but whenever my, my grandma, or sometimes my aunt, my aunt Linda would say something like, all right, y'all hold your forks. That's exactly how she said it too. I'm not even kidding. Hold your forks. When she said that, you know what that meant? We weren't done. It meant there was more coming. It meant that whatever was on the table being cleared, that wasn't all that was prepared for us. That they had spent some time working up something good. They had spent some time mixing together, you know, a, a recipe that was going to be sweet, that was going to be awesome. We knew that it meant it wasn't over, that dessert was coming, that there was more coming. I just feel like in this season, God is telling us, hey, hold your fork. I know some things are changing. I know some things are shifting. I know the table is clearing perhaps, 
but I am so not done with you. I'm only getting started with what I'm going to do in and through your life. The revival is on the way, not according to your reality, but according to God's reality. If we would just lift up our head, come on, stand to your feet. If we would lift up our head and recognize Jesus for who he is. Get in the anticipation line today. Let's get in the line that says, we know you can do more because God, you are greater. God, you are higher. God, you are our holy. We're going to begin to worship right now. Can you just bow your heads? God, we're going to put our focus on you, knowing that you are greater, knowing that you are awesome, knowing that you are powerful, knowing that you are the, the God of miracles. You're not the God who did miracles. You're the God who is doing miracles. Amen. That your word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That, that the promises of the Lord are yes and amen. And so we're standing fast to the promises that you've given us, God, that you are a healer, that you are greater, that you are merciful. You're a savior. And you can redeem, God, what's been broken. And so today we come before you and ask you to do that again. We're going to throw our attention to you, God, right now. And while we're praying, let me ask you, which crowd are you in? Are you in the crowd that expects God to move in your life in a powerful way? Or are you in the crowd with your head down, hopeless? Maybe you're sad. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's just this this blood disease that we all have called sin that is keeping you separated from a holy God and today is your day to move from, from the crowd of frustration into the crowd of anticipation by calling on the name of Jesus that's what the Bible says as we call on Jesus' name we believe that, that he died for our sins we confess him as Lord, we'll be saved. So I want to lead you in a prayer that does that right now, if that's you. That you're in that crowd and you've had an encounter with Jesus today and you recognize him for who he is, then more than anything, he wants to be your savior. You can repeat this prayer after me. You can say it out loud or you can whisper it. In fact, I'm going to ask the followers of Jesus to, to stand with you in solidarity and, and pray it out loud together right there with you today. Say something like this, Jesus, I give you my life. I know I need a savior. Rescue me from my sin. Set me free. I confess you as Lord. I believe you died to save me. So forgive me. I repent. I turn my eyes to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.